Good evening. Thankful for you to be here. Thankful that you returned. A lot of family events and other events today, and I know there's other events following worship this evening, so uh, busy folks this weekend, but glad you're here for this time of worship. We spoke, spoke this morning about how God has blessed America because of the holiday weekend, our thoughts naturally turn to that kind of thing. And I said tonight we'd talk about kind of the other half of the story. How long will God bless America? Um, I'll try to give you some thoughts on that and help you think about that yourself. Uh, let me first recognize some special guests. Uh, I didn't know they were going to be here today, but Tommy and Pamela Maxwell made it back and uh, are able to be with us this evening. Brother Tommy led the prayer. If you're not, if you're a very new Northsider, you might not have met them, but uh, they've been missionaries in Scotland and have come back to the states for uh, the conclusion of their mission. Uh, as long as I'm on mission news, I don't think we made any. Too big a deal this morning about our new missionary in Minnesota, uh, Shepherd Flood, uh, Aaron and Eric, uh, and Aaron and uh, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I get those two confused all the time because of hers. But anyhow, uh, they had Shepherd, and uh, he's doing fine, I think. So we got one more little missionary in Minnesota. All right, how long will God bless America? We talked about this morning about how God does deal with nations. Uh, throughout history, he's raised nations up and brought them down, raised up rulers and brought them down, destroyed nations because of their evil, blessed them because of their righteousness. And we pointed out our belief that because of how America was founded and the principles it was founded upon, that God has blessed America. But I said at the start of that sermon that a lot of things I was going to say we don't talk about these days. They're not taught in school. They're not uh, not allowed to be in history books someplace or used as an argument. They've pretty well been beat out by the revisionists. Uh, so it's different today than it was 239 years ago. And that makes us wonder. If God blesses a nation uh, whose God is the Lord, uh, how long will he bless a nation who has turned away from him? Uh, so those are the kind of questions we open with this evening, and let's think a little bit about the possibilities there. Um, how to determine how long a nation will be blessed by God or allowed to exist by God, I don't think is answerable in any definitive way. Uh, we know he does deal with them. Uh, we see the pyramids of Egypt uh, still showing above the sand, but Egypt's not what Egypt once was. Uh, Babylon is gone. Uh, Rome ruled the world for centuries, but it's gone. And there's no reason we should think that uh, America's going to last forever as it exists, as the world power that it is and the blessed nation and all that, especially with some of the things we see in society. Uh, I thought of how to go about this, how to test whether America's 
ready to be forsaken by God or not. I thought one interesting maybe might be just go through the, the ten big rules. Uh, God made ten big rules and said, here's how society works. Uh, here's what keeps a nation right with me. And we know the Ten Commandments as written by Moses were for the old Israel, but the principles uh, are God's moral principles through the ages. And if we just run through those real, real quickly, uh, we'd probably be a little nervous. Uh, the very first one, have no other gods before me. Uh, 239 years ago, that was pretty clear. In fact, I read this morning from the Rhode Island Charter. Uh, in that Rhode Island Charter, they mentioned the Lord Jesus Christ, they mentioned the King of Kings, and they mentioned the Lord of Lords. Uh, today, well, not too many years ago, uh, Kansas legislature had a big to-do about somebody closing a prayer in the name of Christ. Uh, We've changed our attitude in this country about that. When I say us, I mean society in general. Uh, every other God is acceptable, but you got to be pretty careful where you mention uh, Jehovah God or especially the Lord Jesus Christ. Second commandment is make no graven images. Well, we certainly don't pay attention to that. We allow all kinds of cartoons and things, as long as it's not about Muhammad, uh, but as long as it's Jehovah or Jesus, you can do or say anything you want. Uh, number three is don't misuse his name. Uh, how much respect is there for the name of God left in this country? Uh, not too many years ago, the big to-do in New York City, some artist named Serrano, which i Shouldn't give him that much credit, but uh, he made a piece of art. Uh, he called it a piece of art. It was a cross uh, in a jar of urine. And he named it something that I can't say here, but disrespectful of Christ. Well, very, very disrespectful of Christ. He was protected. The government thought that was just fine. Sabbath day, number four, we know the Sabbath day is not in effect, but still the principle of honoring God and uh, worshiping and thinking along that line. Uh, Sunday's just another day now. Uh, I was talking about that with somebody last night about ball tournaments and all that. Uh, when I was young, nobody scheduled anything on Wednesday night in the community. Uh, that's when people went to church. And you wouldn't even think of scheduling something on Sunday, uh, any kind of uh, event or community event or sports activity or anything. Uh, today, that's the norm. Uh, Sunday's the day for fun. Uh, so I know we don't have to keep the Sabbath, but the, the principle of it is certainly not observed in any way. Number five, honor our parents. Not much needs to be said there. Uh, we shuffle them off to the, the nursing home as fast as we can, pretty much in this country. Uh, let the government take care of them. Uh, and family, honor parents is kind of an oxymoron anymore uh, because there aren't such things. 
when I was a kid, uh, probably before that or then a little bit after that, uh, almost all children grew up in a two-parent, two-biological-parent family. Uh, I don't even know what the numbers are today, but they're at least opposite of that. 180 degrees out of phase, parents are kind of inconsequential these days. Number six, don't kill, don't murder. How sacred is human life these days? No, we've changed all that with Roe v. Wade and uh, murder thousands every year because we don't want trouble with them. Uh, We've elevated animal life to a higher plane than human life. God said that's just backwards. I said, not the way to do it. Uh, number seven, don't commit adultery. Uh, adultery is kind of out of practice, too. If nobody's married, it's kind of hard to commit adultery. Or if anybody's married to anybody, it's kind of hard to decide what's adultery. So uh, we could probably change that to talk about immorality, uh, moral principles, sexual practice, and uh, not much needs to be discussed there. Twenty years ago, our president uh, redefined what was adultery, redefined what was sex, and now he's honored. Now he's the biggest star in the country because of it. Uh, It's it's a strange world we live in. Uh, afternoon talk shows are filled with every kind of deviant there is, and the only thing wrong is saying that there's anything wrong with any of it. It's all to be celebrated. It's all to be honored. Uh, 8, 9, and 10, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet. See any of that these days? Pretty well accepted in politics. Well, just the way they are. That's what you do in politics is steal and lie and get rich and get celebrated for it if you're real good at it. Uh, So going through the Ten Commandments is kind of depressing, isn't it? Uh, we're, We're not too good on those in this country, at least not as good as we were a couple of hundred years ago. So are we in the last days? That would be the logical conclusion, maybe. Uh, We have very little clear definition of the last days. Second Timothy, you might turn over there, is kind of probably the most applicable. Uh, Second Timothy chapter 3. Of course, we believe in one sense the last days started when... Christ went back to heaven. We're in the last period of time. But coming toward the end of the world, there will be some changes, I think. Uh, Not the left behind kind of secret raptures and all of that, but I think there will be some changes. Paul warned Timothy about it in 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse 1. He said, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. 
People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. A description of attitudes, of lifestyles, of character traits. Uh, You look around, you can say, whoa, uh, that's what I see. That's what I see on the front pages. I wrote a bulletin article a few weeks ago about just one word in there. Uh, Verse 5, it says, uh, verse 3, it says, without love. And I explained that that really means without natural affection, without family love. Uh, there's a natural love in a family where a mother loves a child and, and, and all of that. And how many times do we see in the paper these days that that doesn't exist in a family? Uh, mothers doing things to children or with children and verse vice, uh, children doing things to parents that... You know, there's no natural love there. And all of those words, you can go through there and figure out what they mean and say, well, yeah, that's on the front page every week. So the description of the last days uh, probably gives us pause also. It will make us think that, well, we got to be pretty close to the end. Uh, we got a few examples in the Bible of of God's dealing with people when he had, when he had, had enough. Uh, Sodom is one of them. Uh, cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, they became so uh, Im- sexually, immorally wicked, in particular the sin of homosexuality, and I know the revisionists today try to make that mean something else, but that's a pretty clear story, folks, and also in the New Testament was referred to. Uh, we know what those cities were like. And when a, some of God's people went in there uh, for a while, they focused their attention on them, and God said, that's it. I, I've just had enough with those two cities, and he removed them. He just took them off the map. Uh, he did a very similar thing in the time of Noah and the flood. Now turn over Genesis 6. In fact, I think this is a key point for deciding when God will stop blessing us. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Yeah, verse 5. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind who I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, the birds of the air, I'm grieved that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, I take a little comfort in that, that... It's not just the acts, it's not just the 
public sin that we see on the front page, but God looks at hearts. And when he had finally had it with the earth was when everybody but eight, that's all they thought about was evil. They didn't think of any good things. They just thought of more evil things to do. And that comforts me because I don't think we're there yet. (laughs) I think there's a lot of good people still around. But that's one clue we have is that when... God dealt with the earth on the time of the flood. Everybody just thought evil. I think there's a lot of people like that today. That they all are just thinking of the next evil thing to do. But not everybody. So a little comfort there, perhaps. Uh, I think another comforting passage uh, that we might last a little bit longer is over in 1 Kings 19. Turn over there if you've got your books. First Kings 19, famous story of Elijah. After Elijah on Mount Carmel and his great victory there and all that. Uh, let's look at a couple of verses here and get the story. Verse 2 of First Kings 19, Jezebel, this is after he destroyed all her prophets, Jezebel, the wicked queen, queen sent a messenger to Elijah and said that by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. Okay. So even after the big victory and all that, that scared Elijah so much that he ran for 40 days and nights. And verse 9 says that then he went into a cave and spent the night. So Elijah was hiding in a cave. He said, things are so bad, <laughs> I'm leaving society. I'm going to go hide in the cave. Anybody have that thought last week? <laughs> I did. I thought, man, it's time to move to the wilds of Idaho or somewhere and just get off the grid, you know, just go away. Now, that's what Elijah did. He said um, he ran for 40 days and nights, hid in a cave. Verse 10, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous, and the Israelites have rejected your covenant, and they've broken down your altars, and they've put your prophets to death. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me. See where Elijah had got? He thought, I am the only one. He read all the front pages and listened to all the newscasts, and the party was over, he thought. He was the only one left. Go down to verse 18. God told him, I have 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed their knees to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You think you're the only one, but I got 7,000 more like you. I got 7,000 good people left in Israel. Okay? Elijah couldn't see those. Uh, I. Take comfort from that. God God knows hearts. That's when he destroys cities. He knows hearts. That's when he destroys the earth. And he knows there's some good people around. I mean, I know there's some good people left. God knows exactly how many. So, So that's probably the most positive thing I find in the Bible to think about whether we're going to be 
destroy it or he's going to stop blessing us or whatever. There's so many good people left. Uh, even compared to the other civilized Christian nations on earth, uh, we're still not as far down as they are. Uh, the churches in Europe are empty. The attention to anything religious is not part of society anymore. But America, the churches are still pretty well full of people. Not like it used to be, but compared to the rest of the world, we're not quite as far down that ladder, uh, not quite as far down the Romans 1 chain as the rest of the world. There's still a lot of good people in America. Uh, we went out to the Deffen Ball party last night and driving back into town about 9.30 to 10 right in there. Uh, the, the whole horizon was filled with fireworks. Just, just everywhere. And 90% of them were illegal. And I said, yes. You know, <laughs> there's some good people left. Uh, that don't bow to government's foolishness. Remember a few years ago when we had Carlos Mayans was our mayor, he was from Cuba, and somebody made a big stir about fireworks were too noisy on the 4th of July. And they wanted him to dedicate the police force to sweep the city and stamp out fireworks and all that. And this guy from Cuba said, You're nuts. This is America. Yeah, we celebrate our freedom. And I saw those fireworks and I thought, I know some of them are just having fun. You know, some of them don't have any connection to America. But there's a whole lot of patriotic people out there. Yeah, God knows exactly how many there are. Um, So there's good people and, you know, there's hope there. Maybe. The secularists and everything that's going on, maybe they may push too far. There may be a Christian revolution. We can hope. Uh, If it comes, I think it will come because of the uh, faithful prayers of righteous people. That's what will bring it about. But God knows how many are out there. Uh, Okay, that's my main positive a couple of negative things about there's no reason why God doesn't stop blessing us pretty quick. Uh, the first one is the system that's in place now, as opposed to the old America that was based on Christian principle. The, the secularists have basically won. I mean, I hate to say that, but uh, they've pretty well won the battle. They've got people in the right positions. They've sold their stories. They've got uh, key people ready to defend whatever secular idea they come up with. And not just that it's there, but how quickly it's happened is, is what gives me pause and makes me think that we're pretty close to God giving up on us. Uh, Fifty years ago, if you'd have told me or any other kid or any adult then that in our lifetime, the things that have happened in the last few years would happen, we had fallen on the floor laughing. Yeah, I mean, it was beyond comprehension. The, the things that are now not just practiced, but celebrated. 
Now, I mean, it would have been beyond anybody's comprehension. It happened quickly. Uh, and it wasn't, and it's speeding up, I think. The last 10 years, it's really gone nuts. I read an interesting story the other day about this battle between uh, same-sex marriage and religious rights and all that. And a big part of the story was about, you may remember earlier a few months ago, when Indiana passed the Freedom of Religion Act. It was about how that happened, and I knew a little bit of the story, but I was amazed when I read the whole story. Uh, Over 20 states have Freedom of Religion Acts. Their response to all of the secular laws that are being passed and uh, gay rights and gay marriage and all of that. So states have been passing laws that, well, if a Christian doesn't want to do business with something that bothers their conscience, they're protected. The Freedom of Religion Act. There's over 20 states that have that. Uh, Less than 20 years ago, President Clinton signed a national act. And it went, I mean, they passed fine. But now, when Indiana passed that, some of Mike Pence's, the governor's advisors, said, man, this is going to stir up a hornet's nest if you sign this thing. And he said, it'll be all right. People will be excited for three or four days, and then it'll die down. He was so wrong, it's unbelievable. And reading that story of what happened to him and to Indiana, the pressure that came from this organization that's been built by the secularists was absolutely amazing. I mean, they hammered him immediately. The NCAA is located in Indianapolis. They said, you pass that law, we're pulling out. We're not going to have a Final Four in your city. We're done. You're going to lose all of us. Big companies that employed a lot of people in Indiana have been (laughs) co-opted, shall we say, by the secularists that you support us or you're going to be in trouble. So all these leaders of big companies said, you pass that law and we're out of Indiana. Bear in mind, this is something that 20 other states already have. But the, the tide has changed that much. They have that much power that they can tell anybody, no, you, you're not going to pass a law like that. You're not going to protect religious people. So the organization that's there and the, the system that's in place is pretty scary. Now, after what the Supreme Court did a week ago, it's just going to magnify it. I'm not surprised they did it. Uh, how they did it was particularly disturbing because what they did was they equated same-sex marriage to race, to civil rights. And what doors does that open? I mean, we've been through the civil rights battle, and it was a noble fight. And and we saw how people that resisted it, that did want to discriminate were changed by law, by pressure. Well, when you equate that to a sin that God calls abominable, you're in a mess. That's where we are. Uh, And 
that system, that organization, it's going to keep coming. Tax exemption for churches, guarantee you they'll go after that. I don't know how much you're going to have to up your contribution, but get ready. They'll go for it. And they'll go for conservative churches that want to still speak the truth, because speaking the truth is going to be hate speech. Okay. Now, and the, the really sad thing about it is, or the amazing thing is, this really isn't about gay marriage. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It's just another thing that the secularists are using to completely get the Bible out of relevance. I think that's what the whole game's about. That's where they started, and that's where they're going to finish. Until it's not politically correct or publicly acceptable or eventually even legal to say that this book has any influence on man. That's where they're going. Uh, I don't know what that'll do to us. We'll have to be a little more careful about where and when we speak and uh, probably spend a little time in jail or who knows what. I mean, it's already in Canada. It's already hate speech to quote the Bible about homosexuality. And they arrest pastors and straighten them out for that. Uh, it's really already here in some ways. Well, the baker that got in trouble for not supplying a gay wedding cake. I guess you really can't have a gay wedding cake, come to think of it, but uh, a wedding cake for a gay occasion. Uh, it, I think the fine was $135,000 or something and, uh, a week or two ago. The, the judge in the case ordered the baker that he couldn't speak about it. He can't even talk about this case. I mean, the America we talked about this morning, uh, that's a long ways from what we're talking about today. So, anyhow, that makes me fear that God will quit blessing us here pretty soon. Uh, I think we'll have a time of at least, at least light persecution. Uh, depends what you call persecution. Uh, when, if your friends introduce you to somebody as a Christian, uh, the translation is going to be, you're a hater. I mean, it's going to be different than it was. How bad it gets, I don't know. Uh, the other thing that really troubles me in the, about the future and God blessing us and continuing to bless us is seeing the society and the polls and all of that, I think we've pretty well lost the next generation. Uh uh, and I don't know if there will be a great awakening, a revival. There, there may be. I hope there will be. Uh, but I think the next generation has listened to media instead of parents, even good parents uh, that try to teach kids the right things. I don't think they can or have, and, and I'm not speaking 100% here. I'm sure there's some, but in general, Media is so overwhelming, uh, what comes through it. I think it's just overwhelmed what parents have tried to teach them. Uh, I think that's where they get their uh, 
philosophy of life and their belief. Uh, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I think personally if we could take a poll of everybody under 20 in this room or everybody under 25, a large percentage of them would be thinking, what is that old man ranting about up there? You know, all the Supreme Court did was make it so if you love somebody, you can get married. What's wrong with that? That's just fair. I truly imagine most of the people under 25 in this room think that way. You say, that can't be, you old people. Say, that can't be. We've told them that's wrong. Well, it doesn't matter. The media tells them it's okay. Saw a clip of, I don't watch it, but I saw a clip from Jimmy Kimmel's show. Uh, he went out and to, to help sell this whole thing. He went and asked, asked little kids on the street, what do you think gay marriage is? And he put on the air all the cute little kids saying, oh, that's when a man marries a man. Oh, that's when two people in love get married. I mean, the whole package just keeps coming. It just overwhelms us. And anybody under a certain age probably does wonder what all I'm talking about up here. Okay, I've rambled enough. So how long? That was what I promised you tonight. How long will God bless America? I've got it narrowed down. We've got, I think, over a year and probably less than 2,000 years. I think that's the best I can do. Uh, But see, the trick is, all those things I've said, people have been saying them for 2,000 years. They say, this is as bad as it can get. And then sometimes there is a great awakening. And some nations get worse than others. I mean, Rome descended to the Romans 1 world. You read Romans 1, and Paul's talking about it like it's present tense. Well, it's not really that bad anymore, and it certainly hadn't been that bad in America. But there are countries that go all the way down that path of sexual revolution, supposedly, and disposing of God, and elevating animals, and doing all the things we do. But we don't all do it yet. There's still a lot of good people. Uh, So we're not the worst ever. And uh, I think before God destroys the world, before he comes back, I think we'll probably be humbled as a nation first. I think America is on a path uh, where we won't work anymore. America doesn't work. And I'm talking about the whole principle of America. John Adams said we've instituted a government that's for a religious, moral people. And if you don't have that, he said, it won't work. It, it's inadequate for the government of any other. So, and I don't know where that line is, where we tip over that line, but I think we're really, really close to that. And I think America uh, will be humbled as a nation. Uh, I guarantee it's going to be harder and harder to openly proclaim Christianity. You're going to have to be a little cautious about where you say that, unless you're ready for the consequences, to be abused. 
It's already there on Facebook and things like that. Put anything positive Christian out there and you're jumped all over. So I know we're going that direction. I don't want my grandkids to go through that. Uh, But most of the Christians in the world have had it a whole lot worse than we have. So maybe it's time for a little persecution. might help wake us up. Uh, Personally, since I don't want my grandkids to go through it, I say, Lord, come quickly. Sooner the better. Uh, Let's get out of this mess and on to where we want to be. But he will decide when that time comes. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm sure I've convinced you of that with all my different opinions here. Uh, But we're going to sing a song that says, I do know who holds tomorrow. So there is hope in Christ. And if you need to make any changes in your life tonight, we invite you to come. Uh, Carl, come and lead us. Let's stand and sing.